Welcome to the Collins Hill Pulpit Podcast, a ministry of Collins Hill Baptist Church of Lawrenceville, Georgia. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you Bible messages that are relevant to the day and age in which we live. These messages have been preached from the pulpit of Collins Hill Baptist Church in recent days. Now, here is today's message. All right, take your Bible. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. Now, before we, uh, before we read our text, I'm, I'm going to do something that's really scary, I'm sure, to a lot of you, is I need, I need a volunteer. Now, don't get too nervous, okay? But I need somebody willing to volunteer for us to do, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to make you do, but I need somebody willing to volunteer. So is, is anybody willing to volunteer? Okay, Kirsten. All right. Kirsten, you can make your way up here. Everybody can give her a round of applause. Kirsten, yes. All right. Now, do you have any idea what I'm about to ask you? This is not, you know, I haven't told you beforehand. You're scared? <laughs> well, you should be. No. Um, so you're willing to, you know, you just, you volunteered, right? So you're, you're willing. You don't know what's going to happen, but you're willing to do within reason pretty much anything. I ask you to do, okay, all right, and you're scared, right? Good, 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 all right. Well, I'll tell you what, you can go sit down because my point has been proven, so thank you very much. Everybody give her a round of applause, good job. Now, I know it's a silly illustration, but, you know, really, that's a lot of faith, right? She had no idea what I was going to ask her to do. <laughs> that's pretty scary right there, but she, but she volunteered. She was, she was a willing volunteer. She, she by faith, right? She didn't know what was going to happen, but she said, look, I, I, I have faith, maybe not faith in me, but she at least has faith that I won't kill her in front of everybody. But she had some sort of faith, and by faith, she raised her hand and said, okay, I'm willing. She, she was willing, right? Well, I want you to notice something here in Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to read here. We're actually going to take Hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 through 19. We are going to uh, we're going to split these verses up into two messages. We're going to be looking at two different people here. But I want you to notice here, uh, Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 8, the Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We'll read through verses 11 as well. Uh, I know on your handout we have something different, but we won't cover these verses, but just by way of context, let's read through these. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah, we'll be looking at her next week herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to have returned. 
But now they desire a better country, a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. We come back to our text verses here in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now, I'll bring back to your mind here that what Kirsten was volunteering herself to do, what Kirsten was by faith willing to do, she had no idea what was going to happen. But she had what we're going to entitle the message today, willing faith. It's the same faith that we find here that Abraham had. Willing faith. When it comes to serving the Lord by faith, there must be a willingness to do whatever God wants us to do. To say whatever God wants us to say. When it comes to our faith, we must be willing. There must be a willingness to do or not to do because we have faith. Need to turn this on? There we go. In a moment, you will see the, the screen. I heard something behind me. I said, will and faith. I don't know about this. We see here, Abraham had willing faith. Today, we're going to be looking at, from the book of Hebrews, at the next character in our series of Go Forward in Faith. We've looked at an introduction to faith. We've looked at worshiping faith, Abel. We've seen walking faith, that was Enoch. We've seen working faith, that's Noah. And today, again, we will be seeing willing faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we just want to ask that you please bless the reading and the preaching of your word. Father, in my flesh, I'm weak today, and Father... In my spirit, I'm weak as well. Without you, I can do nothing. And Father, I completely and totally depend on you in this time. Father, I pray that you'd be seen, that you'd get all the glory, that you would give the strength that I need, the strength that we all need to hear and to obey your word. Father, I pray that we would leave here today more willing to live by faith. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. When you think of Abraham, what do you think of? I know you go, you go back into your mind and you think of, oh, well, he was the one that God promised the very first time that he was going to have children that were going to be a, a multitude. And Abraham, at this time, his name was Abram. He said, well, Lord, I don't have a son. I, I don't have a child. And as we'll look at next week, we'll look at uh, the amazing faith that Sarah displayed, but also the lack of faith that she displayed. And we see even in that same story the lack of faith Abraham had and Abram displayed. But then we see later his life of faith. When it comes to the study uh, of Abraham, we see a theme of obedience and sometimes disobedience. So I want you to hear in number one of your, of your handout there, the first thing that we're going to notice today about willing faith is faith's obedience. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter number 12, we're going to notice a few things here from this text in Genesis chapter number 12, where we're introduced more intimately than, than the uh, verses prior to this man named Abram. Now, for our purposes, the Lord changes his name to Abraham, the father of many nations, uh, later. But for our purposes today, we'll refer to him as Abraham. But of course, you'll remember that uh, at, at this point in what we're about to read here in Genesis 12, his name is Abram. But we see here in, this, in these verses, as we do in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, 
We see willing faith's obedience. Willing faith's obedience. I want you to see something here in the life of Abraham and his obedience to the Lord. And uh, there, there's much that could be said, um, but we're just going to focus on one aspect of it today. And uh, really, I, I've, I've found, and the more you study, and preachers will be able to attest to this, the more you study, the harder it is not knowing what to say, but more what not to say. You get so much, and you want to share it all, but, uh, but there are, you, you go through good, better, best. And uh, I'm trying my best to give you the best today. So look here, uh, Genesis chapter 12. Notice what the Bible says in verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless, them that curse, or the bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Notice with me verse 4. So Abram departed. As the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Now we, we see something amazing here in these verses. In, in fact, in Hebrews 11 verse 8, it was referenced clearly. Abraham, Abram obeyed God. He said, look, Abram, I want you to leave everything that you know, everything that's familiar to you. I want you to leave, and I'm not going to tell you where you're going. I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to guide you. You know what Abraham did according to verse 4 of Genesis 12? So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him. So Abram departed. He didn't ask questions of God. He just obeyed. I think it'd be good for us just to stop and just clearly say that what God wants from us is obedience. I know that we often think about children when we think about obedience. You know, because children, they're trying to learn how to obey. They're, they're learning what to do, what not to say. I know, and you know, some children, they'll come up to you and they'll tell you exactly what they think because there's just no filter, no connection there. I'm like, oh, probably shouldn't say that. You know, I don't know about you, but my, one of my nieces one time, I was just going around the house singing, you know, just lifting my voice to the Lord. And she looked at me and said, Landon, stop singing. You sound terrible. Wow. Thank you very much. You know what I mean? You know, I could have snapped out. Well, you look weird. So I don't know. The kids, they just let it, they let it fly. They let it rip. They don't think about it. We see here uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, 11, verse 8, in Genesis chapter 1, or 12, 1 through 4, that Abraham, Abram, he didn't ask questions. He just obeyed. So Abraham departed. We notice here in Hebrews 11, verse 8, notice where it says this, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance... Obeyed. I encourage you to underline that word, obeyed, obeyed. Abraham, he had willing faith, willing faith to obey God. He had willing faith to step out, quote unquote, on a limb and do what God wanted him to do. He didn't know what, he didn't know where, but he knew that God had called him and so he went. What are some aspects of the obedience to God that, we are, that, that are illustrated here in the life of Abram? Well, we're going to notice here, first of all, letter A, that obedient faith is immediate. Obedient faith is immediate. Now, we had that word faith in there because that's what our topic is, but really, if we were to eliminate that word, it'd still be true. O uh, obedience is immediate. If it's delayed obedience, it's not obedience, right? 
How many of you remember, maybe, uh, maybe your parents telling you, maybe your mom or your dad, whoever it was, telling you, go do this, go take out the trash, go do something. You know, I don't know about your house, but my house was, if my mom said to do something, or if my dad said to do something, it was to be done right then at that exact moment. It wasn't, oh, well, I'll get to it when I get around to it. No, 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 no. Because if that statement was made, then there would be some immediate action taking place on their part as well. But what are two, uh, two words that toddlers are very well accustomed to saying? No is one, and what's the other one? Why or mine? Why, yeah, mine is a good one too. But why? That's, those are the two words that came to, came to mind. But mine's a good one. That's good too. No. Why? You tell a toddler to do something and you're most likely going to get one of those responses. No. Or why? My, uh, my nephew, he is in that stage right now. He is in the why stage. Why? Why? I don't know. Why, why does the sun shine? I don't know. It just, God put it there. That's good enough for me, okay? Throughout every message that we have seen in our text, there's been a clear theme of obedience. There's a clear theme of, of an obedient spirit that went along with faith. We've said it before and we'll say it again that faith is going to be accompanied with works. We don't work in order to have faith, but because of our faith, we work. Faith in God leads to obedience to God. If we have true faith in the Lord, then we will be obedient to God. Now, does that mean in every time, in every circumstance that we're going to do that? <laughs> we stand, I stand here today, you sit there today as imperfect. And no, we don't always obey God. You know why? I believe, based on the Word of God, that every time we don't obey God, it is tied directly to a lack of faith in God. Not a lack of saving faith, not anything like that. We just don't believe that what God is telling us to do, well, is really as important as he says it is, or is really going to make a difference, or is really going to work out. You see, we have to figure it all out in our minds, right? We've got we to lay it all out, we've got to plan it all out. But we see here that faith in God leads to obedience to God, and the only type of obedience by faith that we can give to the Lord that he will accept is immediate obedience. We see here in the text, he says, when he was called to go out into a place, obeyed. In Genesis chapter 12, it said, the Lord called to him and he said, look, I, I need you to do this, 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 this. And what did Abram do? He departed. He didn't ask questions. We don't have it recorded for us. But he obeyed. And maybe you're here today and God, he has called you to do something for him. He's been calling you. He's been trying to get you to volunteer for this. He's been trying to get you to witness to that coworker, to that friend, to that family member. He's been prompting you. He's been calling you to do something. And you're still trying to get your mind wrapped around, well, how is this all going to work out? How are these things going to come about? You know, Lord, before I can truly obey you, I've got to understand it first. How many of you say that, said that before? Maybe you say, well, I've never said anything like that, but we sometimes act like it, don't we? Lord wants us to do something. Well, before we do it, we've got to figure out, okay, how is this going to work? When all God wants us to do is say, all right, I'm willing, I'll go. It's an immediate obedience. If God has called you to do something, 
You must have willing faith to obey him immediately. Now the question here isn't, will you obey God? That's not the question here. I believe each and every one of us, if God made it clear to us, we would obey him. I'll give you, I'm going to give everybody the credit for that. The question is not, will you obey him? The question is, do you have enough faith to obey God immediately? Not to try and wrap your mind around it. Not try and figure it out. Are you saying don't have discernment? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. We need spiritual discernment. We need to discern what's right, what's wrong. But God has clearly called us to do something. Do you have enough faith in the Lord? Do you have enough faith in God to obey Him? In all reality, it's not a question of obedience. It's a question of faith. Abraham, Abram, he believed God. He, he obeyed God immediately. He didn't see what lied ahead. He, he didn't see the, the famine that would come. He didn't see everything that was going to take place in his life. He, he didn't see the rewards that he would get. He didn't see the sins that he would commit and the consequences that go along with it. He didn't see all of that. But what we have recorded for us is that God called Abram and Abram went. The same is true of us today. God's calling us to do something for him. You say, God's not calling me to do anything. You need to double check. God has called each and every one of us to something. As long as you have breath, you have ministry. As long as you have breath, you have something that you can do for God. It may be in your mind something really big. It may be in your mind something really small. But to God, whatever he's called you to, he needs, he wants you to do. And if you don't do it, God will find somebody else to do it. But God wants you to do what he's called you to do. That's why he's called you to do it. It's not a question of will we obey him. It's a question of do we have enough faith to obey him. Not only do we see immediate obedience, but we also see letter B. Obedient faith is immeasurable. Obedient faith is immeasurable. Immediate faith is immeasurable. It's not only immediate, but it's immeasurable. Notice what the Bible says in verse 8 of Hebrews 11. And he went out not knowing whither he went. He went, he went out. He followed God. He obeyed God immediately. He had no idea where he was going. He was living by faith. He, he was walking by faith. He had willing faith. God said, Abram, I want you to go. Abram said, I'm willing. I'll go. Lord, I don't know where you're going to take me. I'm still willing. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what exactly you have in store for me. But I'm willing to go. What if I were to come to you and say, all right, you need to sell your house your cars, and move. But I'm just not going to tell you where you're going. You'd probably look at me kind of funny, wouldn't you? If you were to come tell me that, I'd say, uh, what? I'd be a little confused. But we see here, Abram, he didn't know where he was going, but God said, look, leave your family, leave your friends, leave everything that you're accustomed to for something that you have no idea what you're leaving it for. You know, if Abram could have seen everything that lied ahead, 
it wouldn't have been faith. If you and I could see everything that lies ahead, it wouldn't be living by faith. You see, now, when it comes to our eternity, and we'll get to it later, but now we live by sight. We're we're living by sight. We're living by things that we can see. But we have faith of things we can't see. And there will come a day when our faith is made sight. And there are some things when it comes to obeying God that we just obey God by faith. I'll give you a wonderful example of this. We have our missions conference coming up in November. Uh, I think November 17th through the 19th. I'm pretty sure those are the dates for it. November 17th through the 19th. It'll be Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. We'll be having that. We'll be hosting it here. We'll have Brother Jason Hamby, the Assistant Director of Macedonia World Baptist Missions, coming in. Lord willing, we'll be able to get some other missionaries to come in, share their burden with you. We're looking forward to that. We're excited for that. But you know a great illustration of willing faith? Of faith, look, God, I don't know... I'm not, I don't know what's going to, I'm not living by sight. I'm living by faith here. I'm living by what I can't see is illustrated in missions. Something called faith promise missions. You, you, you partake in it here. And what is faith promise missions? Well, faith promise missions is this. Okay, Lord, you've laid on my heart to give to the mission program of Collins Hill Baptist Church $50 a month. 20, whatever the number is, that's what God laid on your heart. You say, and you don't, you don't go home and you don't say, all right, my budget, I can do this. I can, well, Lord, you know what? I could, I could squeeze in some extra change here and there for you. No, no, no. It's you ask God, you say, Lord, you know what I have. You know what I don't have. What do you want me to give? And then whatever that number is that God puts on your heart, it may be 5, 10, 50, 100, 250, whatever it is. Whatever that number is, you say, okay, Lord, if you provide it, I'll give it. Can I tell you that as I, have, as I have participated in faith promise giving, whatever God laid on my heart to give, I never went without. I never had to say, well, I don't have enough this month. God didn't provide this month. God has always provided. Guess what, well, guess what we do in faith promise missions? We don't live by sight. We, we don't live based on our checkbook and what it says. We live by faith. Well, does that mean we we go redonkulous? No, God will never prompt you to give more than what he will be able to provide. More than what's just, I don't believe for me the Lord's ever going to tell me, Landon, I want you to give $100,000 a month to missions. I I just, personally, I don't see that that's even a possibility. Now, if the Lord laid on my heart to do it, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I don't know how it's going to be done, but I'll do it. But maybe the Lord lays on your heart 50 hours. You say, Lord, it's kind of tight already. Uh, Lord, Lord, it's going to have to be, you're going to have to do it. It's living by faith. We don't see it, but we live by faith. We give by faith. We see here that obedient faith, it is immeasurable. It's immeasurable because we have nothing to measure it to other than the character of God. Our faith, obedient faith, is immeasurable. Abram, Abraham, he went out not knowing whither he went. God, he desires each and every one of us. If we're going to live by faith, we'll have, to be, we'll have to live in obedience to him. We'll have to live immediate, immediately obedient to him. 
but also immeasurably obedient. Lord, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see everything that lies ahead. But by faith, by faith, I'll, I'll do it. Abraham just demonstrated an extraordinarily confident reliance upon his heavenly father. I know that's a, there's a lot of big words there. But Abraham, he was extraordinarily confident in his reliance on his heavenly father. I know I've given the illustration before, but each and every one of us, we demonstrated faith when we came and we sat down in a chair. We didn't, look, we didn't inspect it. We didn't call it. We live by faith. We, you wouldn't know. What if I were to tell you before anybody sat down? What if I were to say, all right, I took every screw out of, all, out of one of these chairs. And one of those chairs, if you sit down on it, it's going to plop down. Every single one of you would have gone looking around and, you know, trying to find it and push on it and everything. But, but I didn't say it. I didn't, by the way. I didn't. It'd be kind of funny. No, I didn't. I didn't. But every single one of you, you walked in, you sat down, and you didn't think anything of it. Is this chair going to hold me up? No, we had faith in something that, really, we, we didn't see it made. We didn't see it put together. You didn't see me maybe come in and take all the screws out. You just had faith. You, you didn't know what was going to happen, but it was faith. If we knew what was going to happen, we wouldn't be living by faith. You say, Landon, how, how am I supposed to live by faith more? Maybe you say, okay, <clears throat> I want to live by faith. I want to live more obedient to the Lord. How can I do that? I'll give you a great Bible answer. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How, how do we live more obedient to the Lord by faith? How do we have a faith that is immediate? How do we have a faith that, that's immeasurable? We live according to the Word of God. We live according to the road map that God has given us. Sometimes His Word is just a lamp to our feet. It's just enough for that next step. If we were to turn out every single light, and, it, let's say, and we were to put black over the windows, it were to be pitch black in here. I were to click on the flashlight, and I were to hold it right there. I wouldn't be able to see what light ahead. I, I didn't see everything that was up there. But, it, but the Word of God, it's just enough sometimes to take that next step. Lord, I don't know what, I don't know what lies ahead, and I'm just taking the next step. Lord, your Word leads me to do this. All right, I can't see how it's going to end, but I have faith. Sometimes it's a light into our path. Sometimes the Lord does show us a little bit. Sometimes He does give us a little bit of what, what's going to take place. Sometimes He doesn't. The question isn't, will we obey God? The question is, do we have enough faith to obey God? We see here, Abraham, he had faith. He had obedient faith. Obedient faith, it's immediate and it is immeasurable. Charles Stanley, he said many times, obey God and leave the consequences up to him. Obey God, leave the consequences up to him. Not only we see faith's obedience, but also we see number two, faith's outlook. Faith's outlook. Faith's outlook. 
By the way, with, the, with these three points, the three main points, I remember I was sitting, I wrote these out, and, you know, sometimes as a preacher, you get excited. You know, you get excited. You're sitting there, and, you, man, it's alliterated first try. I don't even have to think about it. Man, this works out great. Then I opened up a book I've been studying for, through for this message. Uh, Dr. Clarence Sexton wrote it. He pastored, pastored, he's passed away, but he pastored Temple Baptist Church there in Knoxville, Crown College of the Bible. And I opened up that book, and I started reading his chapter that he had on, on Abraham. And guess what? His points were the same, same ones. I don't know why he copied me. <laughs> so they, they were original at, at first, but <laughs> then, then I saw that he had already written them like 15 years ago. So. But anyway, so if you go end up reading that book, you say, oh, well, Landon plagiarized. No, I, I, I thought they were original at first, but I give him the credit for it. So we see here faith's outlook, faith's outlook. According to a recent study done, there are more than 50% of adults in America are afraid of the dark. More than 50% of adults are afraid of the dark. Can I tell you, I'm a little scared of the dark. When, every, when it's pitch black and you're the only one in the house, that door moved weird. Everything starts kind of sounding weird and strange. Why? Because darkness is scary, isn't it? It's natural. It's natural for somebody to, to prefer light than darkness. We have many examples of light and darkness in the Word of God. But have you ever woken up in the middle of the night to get some water and it was just pitch black? I mean, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. You run into the door frame trying to get to the kitchen. You stub your toe on the chair leg there at the kitchen table. You walk headlong into the refrigerator. Why? Because it's dark. You couldn't see anything. Now you're mad and now you've got to get something to drink and you've got to go back to sleep. And you're, you're injured. Your pride is injured because you just wouldn't turn a light on. But, <laughs> but when it's dark, there, there is a natural feeling of uneasiness, uncertainty. Why? Because we can't see. We can't see what lies ahead. Our vision is impaired because we can't see anything. When it comes to faith, when it comes to our faith, we must be willing to walk not in what we see, but in what God sees. When it comes to faith's outlook, we're not living by what we see. We're living by what God sees. Have you ever gone to a corn maze? I know I've gone to a corn maze before. You know, that, that corn's eight, nine, ten feet tall, and you're walking through it. You, you don't know where the end is. But, you know, there are some points where, where you can climb up and you can kind of get a bird's eye view and look and see, okay, that's where that connects, that where, that's where that goes. Now, can you imagine... If you were to have it say, okay, I'm going to put somebody up there and then they're going to be talking to me on the phone and they're going to say, all right, you need to take a left here. Okay, I'll take a left. They're watching me. They're, they're giving me directions. Well, you know what that is? We're living by faith. We're living by faith on what somebody else sees. We can't see, but we live by faith on what somebody else sees. You know, when we walk with God, when we walk by faith in this life, we don't live by what we see. We live on what God sees. 
I want you to notice two things that Abraham, when it comes to vision, when it comes to what we see, when it comes to what we view, when it comes to our outlook, we see we must have the correct outlook on two things that Abraham had the correct outlook on. I want you to notice them with me. Letter A, he had a correct view of earth. He had a correct view of earth. Verse 9, the Bible says this, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Notice some of these words here. Sojourned. That's a a common word we would use with being a stranger, a pilgrim. Someone that's just passing through. Uh, He sojourned in the land of promise. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles. These tabernacles, the same word, we get tents. Something that had no really foundation, no permanence. Faith outlook, it looks at, the, it has a correct view of earth. In reality, Abraham had a correct outlook on his life. Excuse me. The Bible says that Abraham recognized that they were just sojourners in a strange country dwelling in tents. This entire verse points to the truth that Abraham knew he was just a stranger, just a pilgrim in this world. He knew that one day the promised land would be possessed by his descendants. But until then, until he got to the promised land, until then, he didn't put down any permanent roots. He had a correct view of earth. He had a correct view of his life. We all must remember that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. So many people spend so much time and energy trying to gain material possessions, a bigger house, a better car, a nicer clothes, all while forgetting that there is an eternity that we must live for. If we're going to have willing faith, what, what helps us have willing faith? Well, it's a reminder, it's to remember that this world is not our home. That this world is not our final resting place, that we are just sojourners. We're just strangers, we're just pilgrims walking about. Abraham, he had a correct view, a correct view of earth. But notice letter B, in verse 10 it tells us, that he had a correct view of eternity. Notice verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Notice what the Bible says in verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek for a country. Notice what the Bible says in verse 16. But now they desire a better country. That is, an heavenly. For uh, later he says... For he hath prepared for them a city. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited and I'm looking forward to seeing that city. The city that God's prepared for us. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's doing a lot of things in heaven, but he's preparing us a place. He's preparing us a mansion that we'll have when we get to eternity. 
Well, he, he is preparing us somewhere to abide with him for all of eternity if we're saved. He's preparing for us. He is, he is preparing for us a city. A city who has foundations, whose maker and builder is God. This earth, it's just a stopping place, but heaven, it is an abiding city. Abraham, he wasn't looking at this earth as eternal, but rather he was looking for a city that would be his eternal home. This word looked for, that, that has the idea of being expectant. To expectantly look for. When, when I read this, I couldn't help but think, about uh, maybe uh, you've seen these um, videos of the soldiers that are coming back home. I cry every time. You see a soldier come back home and, and there's the family waiting there in the airport, waiting, and, and maybe they come through it up an escalator and then you finally see them. Or, or, or they, they walk out of, a, out of a hallway and they finally see them. What were those, what was that family, those family members doing? They, they were looking for somebody. They were expectantly looking, they were excited. They were looking for somebody. Can I tell you that we, in the same way, we're looking for a city. We're looking for a place that we can be excited about. We can be expectant of. We are looking for a city. Notice it says, which hath foundations. This world, it doesn't have foundations. You may say, well, yes, it does. We've got the crust. Yeah, I understand. It, it has foundations in a sense, but... Our eternal home of heaven, it has foundations. The Bible says in Revelation 21, 14, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The twelve apostles of Jesus Christ, they're the foundations of this city. The city that we are looking for, the city that we're expecting of, heaven, our eternal home, if we're saved, it has foundations. It has something that it will not, uh, it's not a just temporary place, but it is a permanent place. Heaven, it is built by a master builder. It was made by the master creator. Willing faith, when it comes to our outlook, it has a correct outlook, not only of earth, but of eternity. So the question is posed, the question comes, as Abraham considered the view of earth and its temporary nature and eternity and its permanence and its eternal nature, the question comes that Abraham considered, what am I doing for the eternal home? Can you imagine if we were to get everything we needed for a house, we're going to build a house, we were to get everything we needed, we were to get it shipped, they dropped it off, we were to leave for 50 years, come back and we say, and it's not built, and we say, why is it not built? Why isn't it finished? Many Christians are living that way. You're going to get to heaven and you'll have done nothing for eternity. Well, you have done, done nothing in your temporary life for that of your eternal life. The rewards that we will get, you've done nothing for them. And you'll say, well, man, I'm so glad I'm in heaven, but I have no rewards to throw back at Jesus' feet. Many of us, we live just for the temporary when there's an eternity that we must live for. Willing faith has an outlook, and it has a correct outlook. The correct outlook of this life, of the earth, but a correct view of eternity. I want you to go with me to Luke chapter number 16. Luke chapter number 16. We're going to be introduced here to a man that had a correct view of eternity. 
The sad thing is, is that he had a correct view of eternity. He had a correct view of earth a little late. Luke chapter number 16. We'll see what, what the effect this man had, uh, what the effect of eternity had on this man. Luke chapter number 16. By the way, uh, this, this passage, there's so many wonderful messages that can be brought from this passage. And uh, I, I, I would tell you to be expectant of prior around sometime this summer to be looking for a message from this text. But I want you to notice the Bible says you're familiar with it. Some people say this is a parable, but this doesn't align with any of the truths of a parable that we see. It, it, it has names. It's got specifics. A parable was a, a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It was the Lord illustrating a heavenly truth with earthly means. This is not a parable. This is a true story, a true account. Notice the Bible says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. Notice verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Notice, torments being plural. And, seeing, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would, come, which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment." Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, and unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. In this passage here, we see a man who had the correct view of eternity. He had a correct view of life. He had a correct view of this earth. Sad part is, is that it was too late. You know, when we have a correct view of eternity, you know what we'll have? We'll have a burden for lost people. Can I tell you that if there's one thing that I could get, one thing that I want from hell, the one thing that I want from hell is their burden for lost people. This man, this rich man, he was in torments. He lifted up his eyes in torments. He just wanted the tip of Lazarus' finger that was dipped in water so that it would just cool his tongue just for a half of a second. When that wasn't granted to him, what did he say? He said, send Lazarus to my five brothers so that they don't come to this place of torment. 
Every single day, we pass by people. Every single day, we walk past people, we work next to people. Every single day that we pass by them. I may be using a little bit of sanctified imagination here, but I think it's okay. There may be somebody in that person's family that has gone on into eternity. They didn't know Jesus, they're in hell, and they are crying out to God that God would have somebody go tell them so that they, their family members, their loved ones, wouldn't go to the same place that they're in. We pass people every day. We don't know, but there may be somebody in hell that does, and they're crying out, saying, Oh God, please send somebody to tell them so they don't come here. What's the one thing that I want from hell? I want their burden for lost people. We see here, he had a willing faith, this rich man did, but it was too late. You and I, we live in a world that is consumed with what I can get, what I can gain. And we forget that there is an eternity that we need to live for. What's, what's the good of having a big bank account but not being right with God? You're saying, can I have a big bank, bank account and be right with God? Yeah, you can. You can be right with God and have a big bank account. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I mean is you live only to get a bigger bank account and you forget the eternity that we need to live for. We see that this man, he had a correct view of eternity. He had a correct view of earth. It was just too late. I wonder, is it going to be too late for us? You say, Landon, I'm saved. Well, good. I'm glad you're saved. But there is going to come a day. The night cometh when no man can work. But while it's day, as Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Right now it's day. We have time to work for the Lord. But there's coming a day, really there's coming a night, when no man can work. I wonder, do we have willing faith, willing faith's outlook of this earth and of eternity? Dr. George Morrison, a great Scottish preacher, once said, The important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. It's not what we live in, but what we look for. i tell you what I'm going to do. We'll give you a new handout next week, but I'm not going to go to these next verses. Because I want, I just feel the Lord wants us to give more time to that. So we, next week, we will look at Willing Faith Part 2, and we'll look at verses 17 through 19 at Faith's Offering. Faith's Offering. I want to give adequate time to that, so we will look at that next week. But as Savannah comes to the piano, as we go into a time of invitation, I wonder, and I truly want you to take account of yourself. I, 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 can't, I, 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 can know, I can do my best to know you. You can do your best to know me, but there's only one person that truly knows us, and that's the Lord. So in this time of invitation, as Savannah begins to play, and as we stand... 
Thank you so much for joining us for today's Bible message. We pray that you've received a blessing, and we look forward to being with you again in the future.